Welcome to This Academic Life, episode 39. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Hi, my name is Kim Michelle Lewis. I'm a professor of physics and associate dean of research. Hi, my name is Lucy Zhang. I am a professor of mechanical engineering. Hi, I'm Ponyo Newell. I'm also a professor of mechanical engineering. Many people in STEM love the process of discovery and the scientific interaction that drives research in academia. We are normally highly motivated, whether it's for science or discovery or for teaching or for serving broader community or some combination of each and requires clear planning and vision. This episode covers some of the essentials in choosing a research topic for faculty and researchers. Let's start with the general question of how do faculty come up with the research topic? I guess I'll start. I think coming up with a research topic is very tricky. It depends on what stage you are in, in terms of your academic career. And it also depends on the situation and the timing of things. So research topic can come from simply reading a very inspirational paper. You can get some ideas or something that really draws your attention. You say, well, I have some expertise here. Maybe I can explore a little bit further from there. So that's probably the most obvious ones. Although nowadays people probably write more papers than reading papers. So that's another story. But also for me, when I go to conferences, I listen to these talks. Sometimes very interesting talks can give me some inspiration of some new ideas because everything uh, that's been presented are typically relatively new and refreshing and they're not really out there yet. So if I see something interesting, I will go back home and then start dig out more information. But I think none of that is really a determinant of the final product of the research. It's mostly kind of coming up with initial sparkling idea and then go from there. Maybe after three months of doing something or try something, you realize, well, maybe it's not so interesting after all. So the research topic would then be dropped. So I think in various ways, they're more spontaneous than planned. I think one thing I can add is sometimes I reverse engineer and just write down what is my area of expertise? Like, what do I know how to do really well? And think about how I can apply that to a new field of research. So when, as Lucy mentioned, when you go to these conferences, you hear all of these different topics. And the entire time I'm listening, I'm thinking about, can my technique work to give them some insight into what they're trying to investigate. So sometimes I think of it that way. It makes it feel less pressure on me to start from scratch in terms of developing a new technique or a new idea. It's already something that I know how to do really well and I just try to extend it to a new area. Also, I found sometimes it's good to look at the reports that 
different funding agencies they put out, for example, National Science Foundations or National Academy of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine, as well as like a Department of Energy. So for me, sometimes I use those as a guidance to decide about the next research topic that I want to work on. But Lucy, you brought up a good point. You said that it relates to what stage of your career you are in. So how about junior faculty? What we pointed out, like attending conferences or reading papers or looking at at these reports, it's applicable to everybody, but there are specific things that junior faculty, they need to pay attention. Do you have any comments on how they can select their topic areas? I don't think there is a unique formula to that, but I do know that most important thing that junior faculty needs to consider is to be independent, independent from their advisors. So I think one way accomplish that is perhaps by building new collaborators, because by doing so, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that they need to depend on new collaborators in order to establish their research. What I mean is, perhaps that that will give them some fresh ideas that can bring in where they can restart or rethink about a new direction uh, in that sense. I mean, I've seen uh, people doing more switching from more theoretical work to more application-related work for that transition. So of course, by doing that, you also revert your research topic a little bit from your original research that you worked on. But I think everybody's research area is so unique. Their situations are so unique. So I, I don't know. I think it does take some time to figure that out for themselves. Every PI needs to figure that out. I personally think that maybe it's good to get to know the resources available at their institute and try to utilize those and tailor their research and try to come up with ideas based on what it's available. And you uh, had a good comment that finding their own identity and distinguish themselves from their advisor. And that takes time, but maybe applying their knowledge to some new field might be a way to get there. What are the essentials to choose the research topic? So I think a couple of things to consider is the impact on the career and on the area. I think because you need to be able to articulate very well in the proposal how this is gonna affect someone who may not be really interested in what you're doing, but the impact is so great, now they want to learn about what you're doing, if that makes sense. So I think that's very important. And being able to articulate that so that whoever is not in your field can understand is, is extremely important. I like the idea of also how much the research is backed by literature in terms of how it can support your idea, whether it's new or whether it's an idea that hasn't been thought about for a very long time, maybe it got, it, it fell off the radar and people went in a different direction and you're trying to bring it back because now you have a fresh thought about it. I think that's also important. 
I think it's also easier for people to digest a new topic if it is hypothesis driven, because people, it's very easy to understand a question. Why does this work this way? Or why doesn't it work this way? And I think when you have a very good hypothesis, then it, it makes for an interesting read. In terms of whether it's too broad or too narrow, I think that could be a little bit subjective about when you select whether or not this is important. I think you just want to make sure that it is sort of like in the middle, where it's not too broad, where anybody could do it, but it's not too narrow, where no one cares. <laughs> so it's like a, a delicate balance. So I think for me, those are the, the top things, the making sure it's hypothesis driven, making sure that it has an impact on your career and on the subject matter. I take it more like when you choose a research topic, you have to do enough homework on this topic because you got to know your surroundings. You got to know the background, who's done what, everybody. And you have to know your boundary conditions because some of these problems might be entirely covered by some well-known researchers already. And you don't want to stumble onto that ground either. So those would be your limits. So when you choose a topic, I think one thing to keep in mind is to be flexible. Your idea may be great. As you dig further into the literature, you might find that someone probably had done it. And that's okay. I do get frustrated because that's just the nature of it. There's just so much going on with all aspects of research nowadays. So then perhaps reconsider the research topic or tailor it into something else. It's research. It doesn't have a end point. So we have to be flexible and open-minded on choosing a research topic. I remember once I was at a workshop that they were saying that you don't want to go to a crowded area. If there are too many giants that they are doing research, it's really, really difficult to make a name unless you have this extraordinary idea. Also, you don't want to go, that's what Kim was mentioning, too narrow or too broad. You don't want to go to the area that you are the only person who wants to work in that area because then it would cause some problems when it comes to funding. So I think that it's important to find something that it's, it has enough interest and also you have something novel to offer and you are not duplicating other things that other people have been working on it. I think that it's important to pay attention that your research idea at it should be fundable. You should be able to convince some agencies that your idea is novel and it's worth investing in there. How should we decide if any agencies are interested in funding your research? Yeah, so one way you can find out is if just to go talk to the program manager, which is probably the most scariest thing that I had to do as a junior faculty member. So speaking to them either by phone or in my case, I actually visited NSF. I just spent the last three days of the week, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 
sent them an email before I arrived, just made it seem like I was going to be in town, air quotes, and I wanted to drop by and speak to them about my research. And I highlighted the fact that it was a very new faculty member, kind of hinting, I don't know what I'm doing. I need some guidance. (laughs) I used that for as long as I could, (laughs) that I'm a new faculty and, you know, need some guidance and mentorship about this research project that I'm interested in doing. And can I stop by and speak with them? And most of the time, the program managers did respond because who doesn't want to help a new person who's trying to figure out how all of this works? And for them, sometimes this instant gratification to know they're helping someone is very new and they could make a a huge difference by spending 10, 15 minutes. And I think to make those meetings very effective, I had to have a very quick elevator pitch because those people are very busy. So at the time, am I going to date myself if I say this? But at the time, I printed out PowerPoint slides and I had them in those clear plastic covers for the slides. So I printed out like maybe five of them and I brought them with me. And I had them in a little binder. So I walked in, introduced myself, faculty, and I'm in the physics department, et cetera, and wanted to share with you a couple of ideas that I had. And then I kind of went through very quickly, each slide was an idea that was all kind of tied to a central theme. And literally, I kind of became a psychologist and read the body language like, okay, they didn't like that one. Okay. Oh, I saw a raised eyebrow. Maybe they have a question. So I kind of did that with program managers that I met with. And then some of them really had a poker face the whole time. And sometimes that's disappointing because they don't want to overcommit or overpromise or show too much excitement because then for a new faculty, that kind of indicates The psychology behind it is that, oh, I think I'm going to get funded because he or she asked me a lot of questions. But nevertheless, I thought that was the best way for me to find out if a topic was fundable. And sometimes they would guide me in a different direction and say, we're the division of materials. And so we need something that's more like this. Or the way you think about materials is a little bit different from our interests. And so you need to think about it this way or something like that. And so sometimes that was, oftentimes that was very good feedback. So that's the easiest way I felt to do it, just to go talk directly to the program manager. Also, sometimes the really senior faculty members have some idea because they've been around, they know certain program managers. And as soon as I would say a particular program manager name, they would say, oh, not that person. Okay, here's what you got to do. And so then they kind of give me some feedback about how to engage that program manager, whether I should call them. And then they also know this um, cadence with the program manager. They will say, oh, well, if you got a call back, this is what that means for this program manager. Or And it was sort of like a very interesting, but very to a new faculty member, very frustrating that you have to become a psychologist and analyze body language and all of this stuff. But that's to me, the best way to find out if something is fundable. And I'm sure like there are other ideas out there. I can follow up on that. I think it's also many agencies do have those recently funded projects. And oftentimes they come with some short abstracts. And you could read, I mean, obviously you're not going to read everything, but you can go to the specific program that you're interested in or programs that you're interested in 
and just kind of browse through, skim through some of those topics to see what it's recently been funded and what is the interest. You might not get everything out of it, but I think you can get some very general idea that can help you shape rather than just go blindly into a research topic that you have no idea what the outcome would be or the general outcome would be. Also, I found that some agencies have annual PIs meeting and these are very important because you, they are open to the public, at least before the pandemic, they were all in person and open to the public. And you can just attend and listen to people presenting that they are funded through those programs. And you can get some ideas of, of what the program managers and the programs are interested in. And also you have the opportunity to interact with the program manager. So I think that goes back, Lucy, to your comment. It's part of the homework and it's good to do your homework and make sure that you have full understanding of the program and the program managers and also all these events that they are happening annually through different agencies. One thing I wanted to say is, if you want to stay active in research, then never leave it. The reason I say that is because I think I've mentioned in some previous yeah. episodes, when I was bearing children and raising infants, I had to leave because I was not engaged in anything that was going on. I was mostly spending my time wrapping up what I had before in terms of absorbing new information. There was none of that. And coming up with research idea and write about it or even articulate it became really difficult when I came back. And it took me a very, very long time to be more in tune with what the community is working on, what the trend is. I was so lost. I spent a very long time to catch up um, my ability to even do research. So I would say, if you're able, never leave it. Just stay afloat. Just always be there, even just occasionally, whatever chance that you have, never leave it. So that was my experience. Oh, thank you, Lucy, for sharing it. So we always need to discuss our idea with somebody. We can't just sit in the dark and then write secretly and then submit it to some agencies. But who should we share our ideas with? And who can we talk and discuss if we have any new ideas? Any thoughts on that? If I need to share with anyone, probably someone I really trust, that trust enough, I can, one, to hear candid feedback. And second, if it's a really great idea, they're not gonna steal it. So it's mostly more casual or not. I wouldn't, certainly not, competitor per se, but I wouldn't uh, go to someone that I just know and not know very well. I think for me, I'm more comfortable talking to more senior faculty, people who have my best interest at heart and would give me their feedback about the idea. I'm very comfortable. I think also probably 
faculty members that are within my cohort, so to speak. So most of the time, the, those faculty members that came in with you, not necessarily in your department, but that just came into, let's just say, the College of Engineering or the School of Arts and Sciences at the same time. I know sometimes they have these workshops where you all kind of get together and you write books or you work on proposals. And those are sort of good places to share ideas because everybody is after the same thing. And to that point, I remember there, is, there was one faculty member who was at a different university that contacted me because it was a major concern for them to go to this workshop because they were worried that their ideas might be taken. And so they called me and said, what do you think, should I go? And it turned out that they actually had each participant of the conference or workshop sign something saying that they could not share outside of this group and whatever they discussed. And it was very rigid. And then it made, instead of giving the faculty member a sense of security, like, yes, I'm going to go, it actually freaked them out even more. <laughs> so, so it was sort of interesting that the one thing that they were worried about, they actually did something about. It. And then when they did, it was like, now I have to really be worried about this. So I think you, you just have to go with your gut. But I think for me, the safest thing was to talk to more senior faculty members. And I felt like that was safe. And I felt like talking to colleagues that were not necessarily in my field was also very safe. Because when you think about it, people don't have time to implement. When you think about your area of expertise, does someone at a different school have time to re- do everything you did in the last 10 years. So when I tell people about my technique, it sounds really easy, but they don't know that you can only do it on Thursdays at three o'clock. <laughs> it only works on Thursdays at three o'clock. I'm not going to tell anybody that, but I'm being silly here, but you understand my point that there are a lot of details and nuances that go into really high level experimental physics and not just physics, any experimental research, there's some nuance that you end up not saying, not intentionally, but if somebody asks you, you're like, yes, but this particular thing, you do have to drown out the noise. You do need to use a triax cable versus a BNC cable. That's not something that you write down when you publish that is very important to use BNC cable versus a triax cable. And so those are the details that when you think about it, it's like, I'm not really worried about anybody stealing my idea because it's going to take them many years to get to the point that I just told them about. So you could think of it that way. But if somebody like very close to your field, then maybe they can figure out these things very quickly. So that's my opinion. Yeah, also, I uh, for me, I have this group of good friends from grad school that we always bounce back ideas and we discuss and share. We came from not the same lab, but the same school and the trust is there so I can share my ideas with them. And also I think that in academia, this is a very competitive environment and we all need to take risk at some point. So we should 
risk it and share our idea with some people also i don't know if if you guys are having similar issues i feel that i have more ideas than manpower to do it so when you started yes you are holding on to oh i had this one unique idea but then as you get more involved with research and your research team grows you have more and more idea and it's like okay if they install one i have good for them i have another one <laughs> and, and if they want this one I can give it to them too because I don't have enough people to do it. I, I think that at early stage of our career, we are holding on to our ideas so tight. And then as you said, the people, they get scared of signing things and what would happen if I go to that event. So thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. Any other final thoughts that you would like to share with our audiences? Tanya, earlier you mentioned about university resources. There are two things I think uh, junior faculty particularly can probably look for and utilize. One is university centers or school established centers. Usually, like when I joined as a junior faculty, I do computational work and then there are computational centers. So I didn't have to worry about purchasing new equipment, new computers, and then set them up. And I didn't have to worry about scheduling. I can just plug in and utilize the resources. And the center director told me, and as a junior faculty, you don't have to pay any computing time. So that was really, really useful. So those are the research resources that as a junior faculty that you can look for. Second one is most universities offer seed grants. So the seed grants sometimes are coming from the VPR office, sometimes they're coming from the school level. Just look out for those. Sometimes they have sort of initiation grants where you can just try it out, give it a six months and generating some preliminary results for your next proposal. So those are the things that we should all look for, especially for junior faculty. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your ideas. As we heard from this quick conversations, it seems that there are so many ingredients involved in finding right research topic and being able to choose a suitable research topic, in my opinion, is an important skill to have. For our listeners out there, keep in mind, as we grow as a researchers, our interests and our experience also evolve, and we may get involved with different research topics throughout our careers. But no matter what topic we choose, we should make sure that we are passionate about that topic. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. You can follow us on Facebook, and listen to our latest episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Join us next time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of this academic life. <laughs>